I want to thank you for joining me today on the 831 Living Your Best Life podcast. And this year we're celebrating Alpine Canada's 100th anniversary. And I was an Olympic skier, sir, for those of you that may not know my story. And so a lot of it is about the people that helped me. That's what the 831 is all about. They helped me in my 16 years of ski racing. And We've been dealing with the same question all this week, and that is, who were the leaders that made a difference and why? And we, we, we may come back to that many times. I'm Jungle Jim Hunter, and this is a 31 Living Your Best Life podcast, and I hope you're empowered and inspired and that you will go to your favorite podcast provider or to junglejimhunter.com and subscribe, download, click on like, and please rate and review us and let us know how we can help you. Today's A31 participant is number 63, Jean-Pierre Pichet, or as we called him, Jeep. One day at the Griffin Summer Ski Camp at Kokanee Glacier outside of Nelson, B.C. in western Canada, we woke up to pelting rain on the tents. Although we were dry and fine, there was no way you could ski on the glacier. The snow would be too dangerous and ski clothing would never dry from the heat thrown from those wood-burning stoves in the 12-man tents. My intention was to train that day, so with all this soft snow, it was perfect to build a bobsleigh track under the shade of and between the trees. I had trained on the farm paling and shoveling grain, and I knew it was the same muscles for strong skiing. So, for me, it was a training day, and if we could ride the toboggan in that bobsleigh run afterwards, well, that was a bonus. For the first few hours, I did it alone, and then, gradually, they joined me. Yes, some of the other racers and some of the other campers found their rain gear and came out and helped me. And pretty soon, we had a track. By 4 p.m., we had stopwatches and six two-man teams paired up and started racing. Some crashed and some slid off the track. Very few made it to the finish. And everyone had a run. And someone said we should have four-man teams. The speed was too fast and the corners too tight for four-man teams. And it ended with one of the teams flying off the track and the toboggan lay in pieces. It had been destroyed. I was so grateful that no one was hurt. However, I was in trouble because they needed that toboggan. There were some angry people that worked at the camp and they had the right to be because I had made their lives more difficult. I had the right intentions to train, but I didn't intend on breaking that vital tool used for moving food and fuel and firewood and supplies. I felt the disappointment my father would express on the farm when I broke something. Prior to my accident, Dad would come alongside, and although at first you would feel his anger, you would then work together and fix the situation. After my concussion at 10 years of age and all the changes it brought, it seemed you felt the anger, and it took a long time for him to come around to the joy of living again. I couldn't understand my dad's grief. He felt, well, he felt different. He was just different after the accident. He wasn't the same way. He had lost something. He had lost the promise of my life and what I was going to be and the hope that he had for it. I felt the disappointment of my dad's words, even though he was a thousand miles away. He used to say, you'll never be good enough. Why are you chasing butterflies? You see, dad didn't want me to be a ski racer. He wanted me to go back to playing hockey. Well, there on Kokanee Glacier that day, Jeep was there. 
Intuitively, he knew something was wrong. He knew I was struggling, and because I was odd to every other kid, I did push the limits in everything. I had no patience for laziness, none for giving up or making excuses, and so breaking the toboggan made me a target, and it hurt. Who do I talk to? I needed the kind side of my dad. I have always been bold. Dad was incredible, and so much of that boldness and courage comes from the fact that he not only expected you to be the best of the best, but that he showed you how to be the best of the best. His creative ways of fixing things and doing things and then letting you do it, even if you did it wrong, gave you the confidence to try again and again until you could do it the way he expected you to. After my accident, he did not seem to have that patience, and although I can tell you what it is now because of years of studying it, emotional intelligence was not even a thought in the 60s. The concept became public in 1995. Failure to dad inflamed his grief over losing a son that was all everything. Having me come close to death, then taking forever to recover, was killing his dreams and killing him and his desires for me. I was not the same son. I was no longer smart like I was before. He was grieving a loss, something that none of us then had any training in dealing with. There on Kokanee Glacier stood Jeep, a total stranger, a coach that, like Larry Nellis and Gary Battistella, put his arm around my heart and loaned me his ear to listen and knew the art of redirecting my pain into finding a spark in the Olympic flame that burned within and gave it oxygen to breathe at the high altitude of the glacier. He did not know about my accident. No one did. I never spoke of it. My mom had taught me to say, never let something outside of you inside of you unless it makes you better. And I repeated that every time someone said something that hurt. But Dad's word ignited a flame in me that always burned brighter, longer, and at a higher temperature than my Olympic flame. Under pressure, it would show up and blow the Olympic flame out, except on those rare occasions when I could perform without his voice in my head. Jeep knew what mattered to me and pointed me back to those things. My faith and beliefs were my strength, and he encouraged me. It was what gave me strength in the face of the fire and the flame that came from the emotional flamethrower that raged in me. My emotions, however, made the Olympic flame as small as a flame on the tip of a match, and that day the battle to continue racing and keep going was almost extinguished. The incident was over, and the next day the sun came out and it was back to training. I got up early and ran into Jeep. Jean-Pierre Pichet knew I was hurting. He sat next to me at breakfast and stayed close, and every chance he had just asked questions and listened. I felt safe. I was secure. Jeep's words of support started to put the flame of quitting out on the outside edges. I did not say anything about quitting, but he knew the hurt was deep, so at first he doused the edges with a glass of water. Then he used a pail, then a garden hose, and slowly all day the flame was put out. After our break on the mountain, sitting, having our lunch on the rocks, he relit my Olympic flame. He made me laugh. His laughter was a smile like getting a bear hug, and his slight French-Canadian accent sparked a new desire within. Jeep and I talked as often as we could after that. What he said and the way he said it had nothing to do with technique, physical training, and everything to do with how to keep one flame on hold while adding fuel to the one that was the real jungle gym. We only spent those summer camp moments together, but wrote each other and phoned each other the rest of my career. I needed him to go with me on the World Cup circuit because he could reach me, but it never happened. After my concussion and recover, I was a different 
kid. I was lost because so many things were not natural anymore. Social graces and normal conversations were awkward. I felt inferior to everyone. And the only time I felt equal to myself was when I was training or on snow skiing. Most of the time, I enjoyed the solitude more than the socializing. Jeep intuitively knew it. I never shared with Jeep the struggles I had with my dad. Sons and daughters who struggle with their parents speak a certain way. They have a different language. They have words that reveal the pain and hurt their carrying. And I have tried to be Jeep to all 1,013 kids I have worked with. Jeep praised my dad and mom for all they did, but he brought a perspective that allowed me to take flare-ups and learn to call 911 and bring it back to no more than a pilot light. Jeep listened and helped me talk what I was feeling. He could see my drive and could not possibly know what I was feeling and where it came from. When someone is upset, it takes time to get to the bottom of it. It takes patience to hear it all and know what to say. I love my mom and dad, but one second I could be secure and confident and the next destroyed. I just wanted to know that I was good enough, that I measured up. Jeep helped me see that, and I was good enough for that day to grow and be your best for the next day. My quote for the day, in the forge of life, you are turning up the heat or turning it down. Are you adding fuel to the right flame? It's your choice. My 1% personal dare today is to ask you to take these minutes and listen to this podcast and help someone who needs kindness and help them ignite the right flame inside. I hope you will have grown before we meet next time. Thanks for listening. Yeah.